You're watching KCMI-TV. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, and uh, I believe that tonight will be a time, I hope, of encouragement to you. And uh, a lot of things going over my spirit, but um, I get so many emails of such desperate situations. And uh, I wanted to talk about when Christians go through difficult times, and uh, not just a lack of money, but we're talking about people whose spouses are in comas, um, children who have cerebral palsy, um, stage four cancer, and the enemy doesn't play fair. And uh, I want to start off tonight by reading a portion of the scripture out of Second um, Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. And this is Paul writing. He said, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our troubles which came to us in Asia. He said that we were pressed out of measure. We were above or beyond our own strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. He said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivers us from so great a death and does deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And um, Paul is, is writing here and he's very transparent. And when we think of Paul, we, we think of, you know, somebody who's raising a young man from the dead that's fallen from a loft while he was preaching or uh, just cursing people with blindness, uh, turning the world upside down, writing two-thirds of the Testament, New Testament. And, and yet in, in this setting, Paul begins to talk and he said, I got in a place to where what I was dealing with was so overwhelming that it pressed me out of my measure. He said it pushed me beyond my own strength, my own ability to cope. He said, and finally, it, it brought me to a place to where I thought I was gonna die. He said, I had given up hope. I was despaired even of life. Uh, there's a verse in Romans, the 12th chapter, and it says this, to every man is given a measure of faith. It, it's a gift from the Lord, and that God gives it to us. And then um, there's another one that I like, and it says in Ephesians, or uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says that God also not only gives us the measure of faith, but he gives us a measure of grace. But it's limited. It's a measure. There's a certain proportion that God gives us. And most of the time in our walk with God, when we're serving the Lord, you know, with, with our heart, uh, a lot of the things that we encounter, the measure of faith that we have will get us through. It'll take us to the other side and we look at it and we say, I'm so thankful that, that my faith brought me through. But then there's another place that Sometimes it might be a, a once-in-the-lifetime event, um, but 
it is so catastrophic, it is so unexpected, that it literally presses us out of our measure of faith. That the faith that we have does not seem to be enough to get us through. And there's a purpose to this because the scripture, um, and I, I'll give you the reference here, in John, the Gospel of John chapter three and verse 34, it says that the Father gave Jesus the, the Spirit of the Lord without measure. In other words, it was unlimited. There was no uh, proportion to what the Father gave him. Jesus literally had the Spirit of God without measure. And so when Paul's writing here and he talks about this, he said, what happened to us was so devastating. And now think about it. We're talking about a man that uh, went through a lot in his life and, and that had greater revelation of Jesus Christ than anybody else, but he was still human. And he said, what I've gone through where we were was so, so exhausting that it pressed me out of my faith until I finally gave up hope. And we think, Lord, why would you do this? But then he gives an explanation in the, in the ninth verse. He says, we have the sentence of death in ourself. And this is why, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God that doesn't just answer prayer, but God that raises the dead. And there are going to be seasons where you're going to go through, and many of you are there right now, I know because you write me, and um, sometimes uh, I can't hardly read, read the emails without weeping because uh, I can feel your pain. And uh, right now, hell hates God's people. In fact, um, in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, it says this, that um, hell hath enlarged herself and she's opened her mouth without measure. In other words, it's unlimited, that hell has unleashed itself. And there's another verse, I think it's in um, Revelations, it says this, that um, the devil has come down in great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. And so uh, the enemy is not your friend. He's literally out to annihilate you. And he uses natural things to try to distort, destroy our spirits. And I will tell you this, and this is from my own experience with the Lord, that if you can shift in those times to where when the enemy presses you out of your own faith, to where you, you weep and you say, Lord, it's hopeless. I don't have any answers. But even with the sentence of death, you turn to the Lord and you say, okay, God, now I'm not looking to me anymore or my strength, but I'm looking to Jesus who has been given the spirit without measure. Now unto him, hallelujah, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you and I can ask or think that when we get pressed out of measure, that we realize that 
I have no answers. I can't make this turn around. I can't fix this. I can't heal my child. I can't raise my wife from the dead. I, I have no way to do this. And you feel like there's a sentence of death in your cell. Then you turn to the Lord because ultimately God is doing something to build your faith. And if you can come out of these catastrophic seasons in your life, you will be a different person. God will change you. There, there will be something that, that happens in your life. And so um, I, I want to I talk to you a little bit tonight because uh, this is happening right now in, in the earth and especially uh, with the church. Uh, there, are, there are two words in the New Testament that talk about events that happen in people's lives. One is called sifting and one is called shaking. And I'll give you some, some example here. I think this is the best one. And Jesus is uh, talking to Simon Peter. And he said, Simon, Simon. In other words, he said, you, you listen to me. He says, behold, Satan hath desired to have you so that he can sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Did you know that the scripture says this about Jesus? That he's praying for you right now. Some of you feel like you are literally overwhelmed and that you are forgotten. But the Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father ever making intercession for you and I. And Jesus looks at Peter and he said, Simon, he said, you don't know it. But he said, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. He said, but I pray for you that you would not. He didn't say that you would not fail. This is really key. He said, I didn't pray for you not to fail. He said, I pray for you that your faith would not fail. And see, a lot of times we want to trust in us and in our own strength, our own ingenuity, um, our own intelligence to extricate us from something when God is saying, listen, I'm trying to bring you to a place to where I'm going to allow you to be pressed out of measure till you even despair of life, that you stop looking to you for the answer and you start looking to me and trust in me. And he said, I pray for you that your faith fails not. And he said, when you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. Um, there's a huge difference between sifting and shaking. And from what I can find in the scriptures, the devil sifts and God shakes. And when you get in a place that overwhelms you, the first thing that you have got to discern is this the devil sifting me or is this Jesus shaking me? Because, and I'm going to give you what the word sifting means. It means to, by inward agitation, to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. And sometimes the enemy will come after you and his intention is to so try your faith 
so press you to a point of despair that he overthrows your faith. But you and I as believers, when we reach a place that we are pressed out of measure and we have no answers, we just turn to the Lord. When I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And so uh, the other part is, I, I, I want to compare these two, shaking. Jesus shakes, the devil sifts. Sifting is about removing everything that's good from your life. Shaking is about removing everything that's bad from your life. When the devil sifts, he's trying to remove everything that's good in your life. And boy, he is a master at it. And so I, I want us to go back because he says, to, Jesus says to Peter, said, the devil wants to sift you. Notice the Lord identifies who sifts. And it's to bring you to a place, to take you through a valley that is so intense that it overthrows your faith and you turn on God and you say, what's the sense in serving the Lord? Uh, I have to be transparent with you. I, I have lots of people that come to Regeneration Nashville um, every week because they want prayer. This last Sunday, I had a young couple drive all the way from New York with their four-year-old boy who had some devastating sickness. I had another young lady um, come and she was in a wheelchair and I think it was cerebral palsy and she couldn't control herself and uh, and I pray for both of them and I'll be honest with you I didn't see any change now I know that God can finish the work after they're gone but I've told the Lord I said I need to see you start doing these miracles because Eventually you think, well, why should I pray for somebody if they don't get healed? But listen, God is doing something in this hour. He's taken us to where we shift out of our faith because it's just a measure. It can only work to a certain point, and then we learn to trust in the Lord. And so uh, the other individual that I want to give you an example here of what happens when sifting takes place because it removes the good from your life. Judas uh, was one of the oldest disciples that Jesus picked. And um, I believe that, Jude, that Jesus loved Judas because he called him his friend. And he said, my friend uh, has lifted up his heel against me. And I think that from the very beginning, uh, Jesus saw in Judas a propensity that if he didn't conquer it, it was going to mess him up permanently, and of course we know it did, but knowing how Jesus was, I have to think that there were times that um, just the love he had for Judas, he'd take him aside and he'd say, Judas, um, son, you gotta work on this. This thing's gonna, it's gonna kill you because Judas, the Bible said, was a love of money. In fact, the scriptures called him a thief. And so he gets to a point to where uh, he wants money so desperately, he goes to the high priest and he said, I'll sell you, Jesus. How much will you give me? 
What he did not realize was that the devil was sifting him and taking all the good out of him. And can I tell you that, and I've seen this so many times over the years, that what the enemy will make you sell your soul for, once you do it, then it'll make you hate it. That the thing that you wanted so bad that cost you so much, you will eventually you will hate what you thought you wanted so desperately. And Judas, after he betrays Jesus and he realizes what he's done, he takes the money and he throws it at the feet of the high priest. And then he comes out and the Bible said that um, he hung himself. The Bible said he wept bitterly. And, you know, we would think, well, Judas was repenting. But re always remember this. The scripture says it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. What was the sifting? The enemy, the devil, sifted out of Judah's goodness. That when he needed it, because that's the only way he could repent, it's the goodness of God that leads to repent. He had no goodness left because the enemy sifted him. And he wound up committing suicide. Now, Peter messes up too. And it's not out of rebellion, it's out of weakness because he follows Jesus in the, in the process of Jesus being arrested. And we know the story, he warms himself at the fire, gets accused that he's one of Jesus' disciples and begins to curse and swear that he doesn't know who Jesus is. Says some horrible things. This is where Jesus was talking to him. He said, Peter, he said, you're gonna get pressed out of measure and he said, but I want you to know something. I pray for you that your faith would not fail. Not that faith that was just a measure, because we know Peter did some amazing things before Jesus was ever crucified. But what the enemy tried to sift, God said no, and he shook him. What did you do with Peter? When we find Peter, outside weeping bitterly and the rooster crowing and, and the compassionate eyes of Jesus looking across that courtyard at, at him. The Bible said he went out and he wept bitterly and he began to sob. What was taking place? God was shaking out of him everything that was bad. And there are times, not because God's angry with us, but because God says, I need to shift you to another level, he will shake you. And this is what I know about sifting. When the devil sifts you, it's so subtle that a lot of times you don't realize it unless you're really close to the Lord. Sifting is a subtle, it's a very clandestine movement by the enemy. But I can tell you this, when God shakes you, you know it. There's nothing subtle about it. He will shake you. This is why the Bible says, I'm gonna shake everything that can shake and why? To shake. He said, so I can strengthen those things which remain. And God will literally take our lives and he will shake us like we, you would see a child shaking sometimes saying, do you hear me? What is he doing? He's shaking the bat out. 
so that you can survive this event. So I, I want to encourage you. I want to tell you this. God, what we've seen happen in the 50s with William Branham and A. A. Allen and Oral Roberts and, and uh, Jack Coe even before that and Catherine Kuhlman, the stories, and John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth, you and I are going to see that again. It's already beginning to happen. And right now, the enemy is sifting a lot of people and God's shaking a lot of people. If it's only God shaking you, I want to encourage you, you're going to come out of this better than you've ever been. And so I, I pray over you. Um, I read your requests. They don't go in one ear and out the other. Uh, I stand in the gap for you. Uh, some of you I call if I feel challenged in the spirit to do it. I get thousands of requests, so I can't answer them all, but I want you to know this. God is on your side, and if Paul can be pressed out of measure and yet come out of it with victory, you are going to come out of this, and God will not let his word return unto him void, but he will finish what he started. Till I see you again, God bless you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you. And may you be encouraged in the Lord. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.